Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Ah, Joe Biden, if only you had better audio. Brutal. That's how he describes Russia's attack of Ukraine. Beyond the pale, Russia's actions in Ukraine. Why then are you referring to Vladimir Putin as a rational actor? A commentary that still has me lost for words. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY, that is the number. 833-468-8669. Feel free, call in, love to talk to you. 833-GOT-TONY. It was in this interview with Jake Tapper where Joe Biden insists that that, that Vladimir Putin is a rational actor acting irrationally. That is, that's a remarkable thing to say. Considering everything he has said about Vladimir Putin in, in the past two years. My God, this man cannot remain in power. That was, that's what he said. He said that about Putin. So what happened between that? What happened between that moment and now this interview where he's a rational actor acting irrationally? I don't, I I can't tell you. This was it right here. Isn't isn't this it right here? And we're seeing it once again today with the brave Ukrainian people showing that their power of many is greater than the will of any one dictator. So in this hour, let the words of Pope John Paul burn as brightly today. Never, ever give up hope. Never doubt, never tire, never become discouraged. Be not afraid. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. That's Joe Biden in his own words. He said this, and now he's a rational actor. He just referred twice in that little clip I played you, referred to Vladimir Putin as a dictator twice. 
Now all of a sudden he's a rational actor who just reacted irrationally in invading Ukraine. Now, what Biden did say, or or one of the things he did say, is accurate. That there is no doubt that Vladimir Putin miscalculated what was going to take place. He did. But so, by the way, did everyone else. Because the vast assumption from the professionals, from the, wait for it, experts, was that Vladimir Putin would be able to take Ukraine in like three days. Bippity-boppity-boo. Done. And that's not what happened. And over the month of September, Vladimir Putin got beat pretty dang bad. Giving up thousands of acres of territory that he had been able to take. That's what prompted this false election where people decided, you know what, we're, we're going to be part of Russia now. Oh, the people voted, so it must be true. My God. What about any of that is rational? Why did Biden say it? Well, I, I guess that might lead to, um, yeah, it, it, to, to a question of, do you trust anything Joe Biden says? Joe Biden says a tremendous number of things where you're like why why would why would anybody at all say that i mean it's it's one of our favorite things to do around here harris biden administration you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or trump and you ain't black got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh um, blonde in the sun we hold these truths to be self-evident all men and women created by the, go you know the you know the thing say it ain't so joe here he is this interview with jake tapper and he's talking about saudi arabia and you're like yeah no really yes Yes, and by the way, let's get straight why I went. I didn't go to one about oil. I went about making sure that we made sure that we weren't going to walk away from the Middle East and what was going on. And by the way, today I just got off the telephone with the president of, of uh, uh, I, I, I got off the phone with the prime minister of Israel and the president of Lebanon. They've worked out a deal. They've been at war, declared war with one another for a long time. They've worked out a boundary relationship along the in the uh, in, in the eastern Mediterranean for oil. I, and they're going to make an agreement that is historic. We also got overflights for Israeli planes over Saudi Arabia. We got movement in terms of how we would deal in the Middle East with aggression from Iran. I'm pretty sure the actions with Israel and other nations, while not having full uh, uh, understanding of of his commentary, uh, might have something to do with the Abraham Accords, which your party opposed and said would lead to war. Oh, you're going to move the embassy. That's going to lead to war. Oh, these Abraham Accords. You're going to upset regional partners. You recreate an entire world where people deal with Israel and then figure out what you want to do about the Palestinians, as opposed to what you got to solve the Palestinian question first. No, you can't solve something when you're working with terrorists, not the people, Hamas, who is behind them, forcing them, hurting them. 
but you don't think you got played by Saudi Arabia when you went there and the next thing you know, uh, they're not willing to not only produce more oil, they announce they're going to produce less. Now you have people discussing whether or not we're going to sell uh, arms, planes to Saudi Arabia. Representative Rokahana answering questions uh, there on uh, on MSNBC. There will be consequences. Joining us now, California Congressman Ro Khanna, who sits on the Armed Services Committee. Congressman, always a pleasure to see you. You and Senator Blumenthal are pushing a bill to halt arms sales to Saudi Arabia for a year. Why? What galls many of us is the ingratitude. We provide Saudi Arabia with over 70% of their arms. We provide them with extraordinary defense. For decades, we've been helping them. And now when Americans are suffering at the pump, they're cutting production to hurt America. That's just wrong. As the president has said, there have to be consequences. One of those consequences is suspending the arms sales to the Saudis. Does that push them into the hands of the Iranians? Well, it can't push them to the hands of the Iranians. You have a Sunni-Shia uh, conversation going on uh, right there. But maybe they can buy arms from Russia. Maybe they can buy arms from elsewhere. I mean, they've got the money. But let's take a step back, shall we, Representative Kahana? You don't think Saudi Arabia knew this was a possible response? Is this your idea of the big stick? I was on Fox last week. And and Kevin Walling is is the guy they uh, I, I don't usually do panels but for for Lawrence Jones great dude I'm, I'm happy to do it and his argument was was uh, you know this happens from Saudi Arabia they're going to produce less oil so we went uh, Biden went to Saudi Arabia with a lot of carrots and now it's time for him to use some sticks and I laughed out loud on TV I'm like what stick what stick are you talking what are you talking about? What stick? How could you think for a second that there's a stick at all in any way? There's no there's no sticks. Because in order to say that, uh, uh, to say that, you would have to think that somehow Saudi Arabia wasn't aware do that uh, and hopefully increase that production, uh, not just in this country, but around the world. What, what's, I'm curious, what stick? The last time we saw a stick was Biden telling Russia, you better not invade Ukraine. What, what stick? Kevin? Well, Tony, I think, number one, we're a net exporter of oil and gas right now. We can do a lot of things in this country with the amount of oil that we're producing to keep that here at home. And you're seeing Secretary Granholm and others move in that direction, potentially. The problem, and I got to go, fellas, the problem is it's still not helping. We are a net exporter of oil, by the way, but less than we were making just a couple of years ago. But notice no answer to what stick. And if we, want, if we want the stick to be energy production, well, I think all of us would be like, oh, hell yeah. Woo-hoo! Let's go. Drill, you sweet loving son of a gun. Drill it up. Like a dentist with a cavity. Hot diggity dog. The problem is that's not what we're doing because ideologically the party doesn't believe in that. What stick? You would have to now get America to believe 
that Saudi Arabia wasn't prepared for this. And you have no idea whether or not uh, the Pentagon uh, uh, likes or doesn't like this move. Biden isn't saying whether he supports legislation to halt U.S. arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Now, let's make sure we're on the same page, at least on this. Uh, I am not a fan of Saudi Arabia. I have been, since 2001, extremely angry that the United States did not take Saudi Arabia to task for their role on September 11th. Heads had to roll. I would not have cared if uh, the the power that be had rounded up 17 others and said, yep, these are the guilty people. Actually, I would have cared. We had to be the ones to do it. They had to learn their lesson. We didn't do it. George Bush was always wrong on that subject, and I will take that on with anybody. Warmonger, kiss whatever part of my backside is closest. It doesn't matter which side. It's all amazing. We should have dealt with it then. Shame on us. I'm not a fan of Saudi Arabia. But the idea of stick from Joe Biden, everything was factored in when they decided to cut the production. They knew what was possible. Are we, are we all insane? Of course they knew what was possible. Absolute madness. But this started as a conversation about Biden calling Vladimir Putin a rational actor, which is an irrational point of view. The Daily Wire reporting that a poll from Issues and Insights and TIPP of over 1,300 adults show 64% of Americans are either very concerned or somewhat concerned about what? About Joe Biden's mental health. They are worried. All of the gain, because this was up 13 points in two months, all of the gain came from Democrats, who went from 39% expressing concern over Biden's health in August to 52% in the latest poll. So Joe Biden referring to Vladimir Putin as um, rational is stunning compared to his prior statements. But the extent to which we listen to Joe Biden and not say, is that guy all right? The majority of Americans know that he's not. So maybe they just take statements like this and ignore it. I don't think you ignore this. I think this on the world stage plays real, real bad. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So what are we buying from Prime Day, people? Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's not going to be much buying this holiday season. Everything's looking down. We'll get into the economics. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, scheduled uh, to be with us, especially when you take a look at that PP, uh, uh, producer price index number, the PPI number, 0.4 double the expectation of point two in terms of the inflation rate. But is that necessarily a bad thing? We're going to break that down. But Amazon, which is now having its second prime day, 
he, I've got the the everything they've got on on sale, and I'm asking Ryan. Ryan's running the board today, producing the show. Uh, we can get you a a blender for three hundred dollars. It's a Vitamix, Ryan. Do you need to blend anything? I mean, I could. I, you always could. You always could. I've seen a couple of things that are actually uh, deals. So one is uh, the the KitchenAid uh, Artesian Mini Plus uh, Milk Mixer, the three and a half quart. Normally three eighty, right now two sixty. Um, although I don't know any the artesian, the artisan, however you want to say it. Uh, we have ours from when we got married twenty some odd years ago, whatever it was, and I actually don't remember right now. And it still works. Those things last for forever. So a good deal if you can get one. I think, and again, we're gonna see the buying slow in the holiday season, November, December, because people are buying now because at least there are things to buy. There is the the, the DeLonghi um, espresso machine, fully automatic with latte crema. Normally $1,400, now 980 bucks. And I, my amount of coffee buying outside the home has gone down to near zero. Maybe twice a month? Maybe, maybe if I include like, like a gas station coffee, like a get-go coffee, three times. If that, oh, I do everything at home. And so there's a part of me that's like, I would do the investment into an espresso machine. I would, I would do it. $980 though. It's a, that's a bunch of loot. Then there is the Phillips soup and smoothie maker. I'm just going to, it's $104, normally $150. I'm going to say no. I don't think you need a maker to make soup. You need a pot. You don't you don't need anything special. Ryan, write this down. You don't need anything special to make soup. You need a pot and a willingness to take your time. Oh, and salt and pepper. These are the three things that you are going to need in order in order to make soup. But this I will get for you. I I Ryan, say the word. It's all yours. It is the Bio Bidet by Bemis BB800 Bidet Toilet Seat. Normally $899, $268 right now on Amazon. Uh, do you know what a bidet is there, Ryan? I do not, but it sounds like a great deal. First of all, it is a great deal. You don't know what a bidet is? I have Ryan. never heard of it. Oh, oh. I don't, how do I? Honestly, I'm gonna need to, I don't even know how to do this on radio. Um, a, a bidet is a, a apparatus by which, after you have uh, uh, relieved yourself in 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 the restroom, uh, and uh, normally you would use paper, this uses water. And um, that's that's actually what it sounds like, and uh, and that and that's how you get clean. Now, do you want the bidet? I absolutely want it. We're all getting bidets, people. Honestly, I'm seriously considering it. That's, it's just ridiculous enough to buy. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Monday, yeah, it's 
um, we still see the impact of uh, COVID in China and the slowdown in Chinese growth. And um, with high inflation and tightening monetary policy in many advanced countries, um, emerging markets from really all of these factors are suffering um, many stresses. So there's a lot to talk about. But from the perspective of the United States, I think the United States is doing very well. Well, that's nice to know, Janet Yellen. Treasury Secretary, from the perspective of the United States, the U.S. is doing very well. Uh, is that the perspective in D.C.? Because the perspective on Midwest Main Street is very, very different. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist with the University of Indianapolis. And taking a look at Yellen's comments, which we'll get to in a second, sir, the real story is the PPI, the Producer Price Index, where wholesale prices rose 0.4%, which was more than expected. The expectation was 02 Now, I looked at this and said, this is just more of an example of inflation going nowhere. You see this as a little bit of possible good news, at least comparatively speaking. Talk to me about what you see from this Producer Price Index number and give a definition of the PPI. You know, uh, so this the PPI, Tony, that's the amount that the companies pay from their wholesalers and their suppliers for their goods and services. It's not what you and I pay. It's what the companies we buy stuff from, what they pay for their stuff. And, you know, I got to tell you, I almost have to quote um, Janet Yellen. I have to say, you know, Tony, the report today, it's not as bad as the rest of the world. It could have been worse. I know what, what world are we living in when we say it's worse than the forecast, it's worse than expected. We're still at 8.5% inflation on the PPI, what the producers are paying, yet we're happy with that, Tony. I'm, I'm actually happy that it wasn't worse. Can you believe 12 months ago if I would have told you I'd be happy with 8.5% inflation? I'm still not happy with 8.5% inflation, but I get your point. But the question is, comparatively, how could it have been worse? Where have we been, and what does this new number tell you? Well, it tells me a few things. First of all, the market took a big yawn. If you notice, the market's doing nothing right now. It's not going up. It's not. It's flat, because this is what we expected. We knew it would be bad. It's about where we thought it was going to be. We knew it was going to be 8.5%. And while nobody likes it, it's what we thought was going to happen. But when you dig into the numbers, Tony, there's something that makes me nervous. Food was at 1.2. Annualize that. Well, you know, I like to do that. I like to take this month and multiply by 12. It's hard math. I get 14%, Tony. Your food prices are still skyrocketing. So this report, energy, still skyrocketing, 8.5%. This bothers me, Tony. So those two parts, food and energy, they're making me nervous. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist with the University of Indianapolis. And you are right. Uh, the Dow is just up 63. The NASDAQ is down uh, just 13, as if people, you know, or, or at least that, that's where it was a bit ago, uh, people uh, taking a little bit uh, of a break. But when they expected 0.2 and you get 0.4, and we have seen here is their expectation and here's where they missed it high, here's where they missed it low, it is so obvious to me, outside of looking in that the experts aren't really sure of what's happening of of what's going on of how these numbers are going to play out and i can't understand how they miss it so incredibly i tell you i think they miss it because it's completely it's a forecast of the future you always ask me to do that and i always refuse it's impossible to forecast the future so the the experts out there 
they don't know what's going to happen. It's very volatile. But let me tell you what, I'm sorry to say this. I'm sorry to say the bad news, but the IMF chief, so Yellen says everything's looking better. The IMF chief today issued a statement saying the worst is yet to come for the global economy. So I don't know what world, maybe the U.S. is better than the rest of the world, but I don't know what planet Yellen's living in. And this is the point that I keep making, that we get told, you know, it was Janet Yellen who said a few months ago, sir, that household balance sheets are strong. And I laughed out loud. And then I heard Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan Chase make the same proclamation just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, what in the world am I missing in this conversation? There is discussion from Bank of America that we are going to lose 175,000 jobs a month and everyone sees that unemployment rate going up. Now, it's hard to believe the unemployment rate because we really should be looking at labor force participation rate. But the White House keeps pushing this. You have Jamie Dimon agreeing with that and also talking about the serious issues with the energy sector. And then, as you discuss, you have the the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, saying that bad things are ahead, like Bank of America says the recession is really going to hit in 2023. How much is the market getting ready for the end of civilization as we know it? You know, okay. <laughs> um, I think, Tony, the market has baked in a lot of this already. I think the market is just frustrated because they keep looking for the Fed to say pause, pause, pause. The Fed says no, no, no. You saw last week the market went crazy when the data came out that they're not going to pause. I think the market's baked it in. I think the market's already taken its hit um, until worse news comes. And is the IMF chief correct? Will she be correct? Will worst news arrive? And when it does arrive, the market will plummet, plummet even more. I don't know if you want to talk about Jamie Dimon, where he gets his data from, but I, I, I can give you some info on that if you want. Well, let's talk about something that Jamie Dimon did say, because the head of J.P. Morgan engaged what I think is an absolutely fascinating conversation about oil and the green movement. Listen to this. Well, I think we're getting energy completely wrong, which is... You know, ever since this war started, you've known that Europe was going to have a problem and that it was pretty predictable that Putin was going to cut off some gas and certain oil and oil prices would go up. And by the way, for the climate folks here, it's made the climate worse because people had this bad assumption that high oil prices and gas prices reduce consumption, reduce CO2. No, poor nations, India, China, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, are turning back on coal plants, as are rich nations called Germany, Netherlands, France. We have it completely backwards. I thought that was a very, very interesting uh, assessment, even though we shouldn't call China a, a poor country, in that when we, we see the issues vis-a-vis Russia, the answer wasn't to go down the green road, which is all electric vehicles, etc., because these nations will do what is in their best interest, and what is in their best interest is the least expensive energy possible. And does that reality, now that we've seen it kind of play out, change how nations might move uh, in, in, in the future. You think Jamie Dimon has a point here? Jamie, sometimes I don't. On this one, I think he's 100% correct. And your question is, you know, will nations change? Will they react to this? No. The United States, not the United States, but the United States leadership in the White House is dead set against killing the oil industry entirely. And I can go down the list of five refineries have closed since Biden's been in office. Five, Tony. One more is going to be closed probably in the next six months. We haven't built a new one since 1977. 
So, no, and I can give you the laundry list of Department of Energy, Department of Interior, National Environmental Protection Act. I could go down the list of things they have done to destroy the oil and natural gas industry. So, no, Tony, they're not going to listen to what he said, and they're not going to change their mind. They have an agenda that is politically and philosophically motivated. But these other nations may very well change their mind, if only that we have seen them do it. We've seen them change their mind. If we now start seeing these nations utilizing coal or other things to get their energy, doesn't that de facto facto bring the price of oil down? Of course. That's exactly what's going to happen, Tony. Isn't that going to contradict what the administration is trying to do? They, they can't control India. India is the most polluted country in the world. They're going to continue to consume oil. They're buying it from um, Russia. They're going to use more dirty coal. They're the Paris Accords, Tony, but you should look at their targets. Their targets don't even exist compared to the ones we put in place. They're not going to de- remove uh, pollution from their environment. That's not happening anytime soon. And it's going to get worse, as Jamie says, and as you said. So now let's get back to where you 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 sometimes disagree w- with Jamie Dimon, and I don't think that he is a soothsayer by by any stretch uh, of the imagination. I think he just uh, got this right, and I think that we will see oil prices go down, and you will see uh, maybe some of these nations not be so convinced that a reliance on oil is the right way uh, to go. You're seeing now a a. a First, I want to get your thoughts on Jamie Dimon, but I want to get into this Biden administration possibly halting arms sales to Saudi Arabia in response as a punishment to OPEC reducing production by 2 million barrels a day. Does that frighten markets at all? Of course it does, Tony, because what's it going to do? It's going to force more reliance of the rest of the world on Russia. So we're throwing Russia, we're throwing the world into the hands of Russia. I can give you one quick example is on oil production. This, the administration wants to ban the exportation of refined oil. Well, there's, there's a, there are refineries in the United States, Tony. The only thing they can produce is dirty uh, energy products that can be sold overseas. And we're going to ban them from selling it to our friends. So our friends are going to get their oil products from where? Russia. Now let's take it back to, to Jamie Dimon because you said you were going to disagree with something that he said. I want to make sure I caught that. Okay. He said the savings rate. So the savings rate here, um, in, it is true. The balance sheets are looking decent. Why? Because we've had, you know, $500 billion of student loan forgiveness, uh, CHIP subsidies, ACA subsidies, green subsidies, the, you know, the COVID bailout. So the balance sheets have built up because government's been printing money and putting it in people's savings accounts. But if you look at the savings rate, it's declining. People are starting to tap into their savings. Yes, they have a strong balance sheet, Tony, but they're starting to spend it. That's why the participation rate hasn't gone up. Eventually, people are going to run out of their savings and will have to go back to work. See, I already thought that that was was starting. When you see uh, 6% of people tapping into their 401ks, 21% of people looking for for new jobs, and then there's the whole conversation whether or not the jobs will be there because in 2023 they expect a certain levels of the job market to tighten. It, it, there's nobody thinking that 2023 is going to be a better financial year than 2022, is there? Uh, Janet Yellen. Well, she's the only one. Anybody rational? Maybe no, I should have said anybody IMF, rational. Even even the IMF and the World Bank, even these very left leaning organizations, are forecasting um, horrendous things next year, Tony. So I, I don't know what planet she's living on, but it's not the same one the rest of us are. I talking to Matt Will, Doctor Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I, I have this um, press release 
in 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 front of me uh from uh, it's it's the ACG I believe uh, that that it's called construction input costs jumped 12.6% year over year despite a dip in September as most materials post double digit increases over 12 months the idea of the the cost of goods in construction the hurricane that went through florida the damage that it has done even though it's off the front pages how much does this uh, is is it figured that this is going to increase costs going into 2023 and is it solely and exclusively plywood uh, sheetrock things like that or are there other items that we should be looking at that are ancillary that are also going to increase in, in cost. I don't know how much it's going to increase the cost, but it will. And there's a ripple effect because you got to think about not just the construction materials, but the supporting organizations. You have to provide housing to the construction workers, transportation because they have to get there. You've got to feed those individuals. You have to transport the food to where they're going. So there's a lot of uh, downstream the consequences to what's happened in the hurricanes. And you will see that, Tony. You and I will have a tougher time uh, getting uh, discount flights. We'll have a tougher time transporting ourselves, our goods, our housing. That's all going to be impacted by this because the hurricane takes a lot of it. The only good thing is, Tony, I know this sounds terrible. The only good thing is we only had one major hurricane hit the United States this year. That was one of the lowest years we've had on record. So the people in Naples and Fort Myers aren't happy. But i got to tell you, for a nation... We, we, we dodged a bullet this year. Yeah, the AGC, by the way, is the American General Contractors of America. That's who uh, put uh, that out there. Uh, what is the next big indicator that we're looking for? Are we waiting for next month and waiting for uh, jobs reports, or are we going to be hearing from the Federal Reserve anytime soon? Tony, I'm waiting for the GDP. I want to see the GDP for the third quarter um, and see what that number is going to be announced at. That's going to tell me a lot about where the economy is, because will the administration finally admit that there's a possibility that we're in a recession? Everybody else in the world knows it, but will they finally admit it if they see three quarters of decline? And when does that come out? I believe it's October 27th. All right. We will uh, we will wait and we will see. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L. Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. Find him there. Always appreciate you, sir. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So it has been days now since Republican candidate for Congress, Jennifer Ruth Green, had her military records leaked, possibly by a sitting member of Congress in the 1st District of Indiana, Frank Mervan, published by Politico. And nobody's saying a word. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Democrats completely silent. As reported by Fox News, Democratic House leadership won't say if they take issue with Politico's decision to publish details of a Republican congressional nominee's sexual assault without her permission. That's what's in the records. No one in the Indianapolis medias, all right, all right, the first district is uh, the northwest part of, of Indiana, so it's Gary and Hammond and closer to Chicago, but the capital is Indianapolis, and no one from Indianapolis media is even paying attention. They couldn't give a good holy damn that it happened. Military records were leaked, possibly by a sitting member of Congress. No one says a word. I'm the only one.
It was an Indianapolis-based <laughs> journalist who wrote the piece. No one says, why would you do this? Well, I'm a journalist. I have to report it. You are trying to what? Insult? Humiliate? Demean? Force her into a conversation? How much of a threat is she in the first district, Jennifer Ruth Green? How much of a threat is she against the Democrats that this was necessary? Back in 2020, House Democrats would always stand with all women who are victims of sexual assault. That according to a Maryland congressman and the House Majority Leader, Steny Hoyer. Uh, Not if you're a Republican. If you're a Republican, we don't care what happens. We don't care that your records are stolen. We're cool with it. I'm more disgusted by the silence of the media throughout the state, specifically in Indianapolis, than I am about Democrats not responding because, well, that's who they are. And they would then have to go apart too. Were these records obtained illegally or certainly unethically by and then released by Frank Mervan, congressman, Democrat in the first district? They'd have to answer that question. You would think there'd be some actual reporter out there who's, who's willing to ask. You know, people who do this part for a living. I do commentary. Oh, you don't have to listen to me. Oh, just Tony Katz and dopey commentary. Except I'm the only guy discussing all of the stories. Really, indie media in the main needs to look in the mirror and find themselves some Jesus. I'm Tony Katz.